Duckstack 49, careening careers, beware the jobber walk, my son. And consider instead of a resume, handing your interviewer a duck stack. This is duck stacking. Today's art is Leia of Inspirations by Michael Cheval. It is a Harlequin butterfly catcher who has caught a horse with their pet tuba snail next to them. <clears throat> Today's duck stack will be a little longer. Uh, I had a lot more content uh, for the subject matter. Can't afford this week's duck stack? We'll put it on your tab. Your duck stack tab. In your browser. Come on, everyone's got one. It's always open. You've been burning thousands of hours of electricity to keep it open. That's a ton of money down the drain. We appreciate that. Section. Duck stack jobs. Are you a job? We'll hire you. Here is how to start a business. First, Plant filing cabinets in the ground. Wear your best suit. Cut down your local forest and turn the wood into paper. Filing cabinets are hungry and will require a lot of food. Continue until you've got around three or four full-filled filing cabinets in the ground. This is about the right number for a startup. Once you have these filing cabinet obelisks in your yard, you should make some campfires to keep them warm. You now have what they in the biz call a growing business. With this in mind, you must beware to keep your business safe from predators. There are other businessmen around, much fatter than you, in your very neighborhood, in your trees, waiting to poach your precious capital. You must stay vigilant, protecting your crop, until you are a fat businessman yourself, hiding in other people's trees, ready to poach their precious capital. We at the Duck Stack want you to have a job, a life, a family, kids, self-fulfillment, a premium tiered free Duck Stack subscription, at least one pecan pie, permanent, and to overthrow evil from power. To do that, you'll need a job. However, it is possible you do not know how to get one. I have written this guide for just such a person. You. Grab your helmet and your most stylish set of sunglasses, sit down, buckle up, get your dousing rods ready, and prepare yourself for a crash course in adulting. <clears throat> Prep work. Ritually cleanse yourself. You must be of clean heart and a straight mind and a fire resume to get a job. When I look at most of my friends who want jobs, and incidentally also most of my friends who want college degrees, I notice a rather glaring error. They don't know what kind of a job they want. It's like the man who is hungry, but nothing sounds good. He just putters around sort of wanting food, but the few things he can think of don't sound tasty enough to be worth worthy of such magnificent hunger. A tragic state. The most effective cure for this is to take your nose to a food court and just wander around. You have to know what you want to do, because if you want to make money, you will need to invest enough time to gain competence or some equivalent currency to exchange for it. But I don't even really know what having a job is like. Well, you gotta buy it before you can eat it. School should have taught you focused research, but it didn't, so I'm gonna have to, so here we go. You need to identify an industry to break into. Try looking around LinkedIn's job pages and people in real life and things you enjoy and do naturally and think of jobs which could involve those skills. A friend or three can really help brainstorm here, but just picking won't by itself get you a job. You have to both be able to do it and sell that you can. I can help with the latter, but you'll have to put in grit for the former. Start by just looking at LinkedIn profiles and resumes of people who have the jobs you want, and observe how they write. You shouldn't copy one-to-one, -one, but do take note of how they present things and what details they feel are significant to put up front. Explore and take note of anything interesting which catches your eye. 
there's no risk to just messaging them and just asking them, what things should I do to get a job like yours? What sorts of skills are important? Your main priority here is to pick up as much jargon as possible. Ask them what a day in their work life looks like. Offer to buy them lunch in exchange for career advice. This is always a win-win. You get to talk to someone interesting and they get food. If you make a big enough survey, you will get a feel for the field, even without working in it, enabling you to tailor your resume. 2. Pause. Play. Pause. Play. Pause. Play. Resume. Put a big red lipstick kiss on the corner. Never fails. Now is the time to prepare for your email interview, meaning them reading your resume. Though actually, you should be doing everything simultaneously. There's three steps to this. The profile, the resume, and the insane hoops every employer makes you jump through before they'll even look at your resume. There's no way to predict that last part. You never know whether the price you'll pay to get your resume to HR will be the confession of every girl you crushed on in high school, a pint of your blood, whether they'll make you take a two-hour IQ test, even though being asked to do this is technically illegal. Ideally, you are sorting your job search by company size to avoid, avoid this kind of time sink, but there's also a risk profile here because the amount of people willing to take a two-hour illegal IQ test is low enough that you will probably not have a lot of competition for such a position. Generally speaking, though, you'll have the best luck at a startup, which is willing to pay what you're worth, very little, while you get the experience necessary to no longer be faking it, uh, but faking it earnestly. You should never lie on your resume, but you shouldn't be telling potential employers about things they don't care about. Having a fast food job is fine for a starter resume, but the only thing you're showing there is your ability to keep a job. Don't over-describe it and only emphasize skills that transfer to the job you want. It was technical work. It was methodical work. It was boring work, but I can be cheerful in adversity. You know, this is where your research comes in handy. You should now be able to change statements like, I know C-sharp, to, I've done back-end and front-end C-sharp architecture in an agile scrum environment, and then list a bunch of projects. But I've never had a job before. Please stop interrupting. If you haven't done this type of work before, and you can't figure out how to make your previous jobs look like they're transferable into what you want, then you should be building what job fishermen call a portfolio. There are three ways to do this. Tutorials, personal projects, and projects for open source communities, which near universally have long backlogs of bugs and minor feature requests the main devs won't get to. Anything to make it seem like you're the type of guy who does this type of thing. See, you are dealing with HR people here. You need to understand their motives to know how they are going to read your resume. For them, hiring someone who can't do the job sucks. You go through all the legal paperwork to hire them, you do the entire months-long training cycle for the position, you pay them a ton of money, and then you have to fire the person on and run on flat tires indefinitely until you can hire someone and do it all again to clean up the first guy's mess. Your target, as a super job-seeking missile, is to convince them that you are not a risky hire as quickly as humanly possible. Microseconds is best, so that they don't fire their anti-job-seeker chaff emails and instead let you unload fiery destruction upon your target, their bank account. This is the point of the resume, the profile, everything. They aren't looking for someone who they won't have to train, they're looking for someone who doesn't suck. Here's some broad guidelines. 1. Streamline your resume. Do you know why Twitter is more popular than Facebook for meme screenshots? It's because they fit in meme screenshots. Through this entire process, you can assume they're trying to sift through hundreds of not even mildly qualified applicant losers who send the same resume to a thousand unrelated jobs every day. At every hiring layer, they will appreciate you not making them waste their time with a novel. 2. 
Non-job experience is only relevant as much as you can make it relevant to what you're applying for. If you're delivering packages, only say your boss likes you. If you're doing data entry, talk about meeting work needs in a technical and quality-oriented environment. Three, with that said, you want to be minimalist about using what I would call bug corp language. You see, corporate HR speak evolved so people could signal professionalism or the art of not being a huge pain for your coworkers to interact with. It does not signal competence. Since this type of language is algorithmic and formulaic, you are encouraging the company you apply for to evaluate you on strictly computer terms. In other words, min-maxing of the job listing requirements versus your paltry qualifications. You do not want this. You want it to be readable and eye-catching, and the way to do this is to speak simply and to the point. As before, saving them time is a courtesy. You also want to make your profile and resume memorable, in a good way. You can sometimes get results with high-risk, joke, or bombastic-style resumes, but I wouldn't unless you're already very secure and can wait. You don't want to be faceless, you want them to remember something about you. I put that I wear Heelys on my resume. When recruiters think of me, in addition to he passed the screening interview, they will remember Healy's guy. This puts you forward in the queue for consideration for a position. Don't be too crazy or high volume with this, but the faster you can transition your job application from item to human, the better results you'll get. I have heard most HR screenings at large companies do not read much further than the first paragraph of people's resumes. LinkedIn does a good job of letting people scan and honestly discern the relevant career information, but most places will also ask you for a resume. This is an opportunity to reiterate your LinkedIn profile in brief, in case it wasn't looked at, while also showing off your written communication skills. In other words, make sure people proofread the thing for flow and interest, because if you misspell words, you are not getting the job. Lol. These are the stats your employer is making combat roles against in order. Technical skills, track record, style. So this is what your resume should have. At the top, list your raw stats. APA formatting, peer review, Python, C-sharp, front-end development, full-stack, analysis, agile, SQL, Amazon AWS setup and maintenance. Successfully sold a million copies to, of a viral Twitter post. Stand-up comedy, blender, grinder, whatever. Obviously, only put things there that are relevant to the jobs you're applying for. Remember, what kinds of things people with the jobs you want, put in theirs. Then... List your work experience so they know you can hold a job for more than two months at a time. If you can't hold a job for more than two months at a time, write that down under the portfolio building homework section of your Duckstack notes. If you have something else that you've been consistent at, such as leading a music discussion group daily or something, put that somewhere so they know you can at least keep a schedule. Then put a section labeled something like, depending on the contents, personality or just personal, where you list some tasteful but interesting things like, I love data warehousing and I can hold my breath for 10 minutes straight and live. If you can, find hobbies or projects relevant to your desired job skill set and put them here. Something to remember you by. Pack as many flattering things in as you can, but do not let your resume go over one page and keep each point punctual. You are entry level. Mini section, belt-fed resume gun. Refresh jobs listing like you refresh social media, desperate for another fix. You may, like many job seekers, be under the delusion that you have a dream job. 
And this tragic impulse may lead you to submit applications only to jobs you feel really good about. But really, you should be absolutely leveling the landscape with resume gunfire. Let no jobs hide in the trenches or bunkers. If you are a fit, force that knowledge down their puny throats. Employers know they're not going to find a dream candidate. You do not need to meet all of a job's qualifications to apply. You only need to be able to actually do it. You'll hear a lot of talk about networking, which is great, but you just need a job. Reaching out to people with the jobs you want and giving them good experiences with you wanting to learn about their field is good enough for networking. But networking is a floodplain, and you never know when, if ever, some bread will fall from that table. Instead, continue consistently sending out many resumes daily. I have heard it's usually something like 100 applications to 20 interviews to one job offer for most people. Since you don't know who or what is on the other side of any given job application screening, you must consider this a numbers game. You need to consider that there is no shortcut to high pay but actual honest career experience and investment. Your play in trying to enter a field is to take something cheap but real. Your other route for this would be contract work, which also requires a fair degree of networking, salesmanship, and boldness, but odds are, if you were enough of a self-starter for that, you wouldn't be here. Contract work is always an option later, once you have actually had, like, a job. Mini section. Interviewing. You're a lucky winner, except the lottery ticket is off by one number. Sorry. Most tech companies will first call you for a 15-minute phone screening where HR asks you to read them your resume. This is to ensure you're, one, real, and two, actually have some mild knowledge about what you say you know. If you pass the phone interview, you'll get an email saying it's time for the next steps. At this point, you should go ballistic to cover everything you're worried you lied about by exaggerating slightly. First, pull up the company's job application. If there's anything you do not know, learn it before the interview. You don't need to be an expert, but you should be able to say, that does this, or say, I tinkered around with that, or I used that to build this. About 50% of any given job listing's requirements are total lies, and about 30% of it is essential, and until the job interview, you have no way to know what bullet points are which. Be prepared to offer at least a little on each. Then, you should research the company. You should come up with at least two questions you can ask about the job. Actual intelligent questions that will keep the interview from being one-sided. If you pull weight in making the interview process easier, you can convince the company you'll make their lives easier as well if they hire you. So what are the company values? What is the company's culture regarding political neutrality? What do your interviewers like about working there? These are all ones I have used, and you should come up with some of your own. On interview day, make yourself pretty and be 5 to 10 minutes early to keep it from being weird but also to be considerate. Take a couple copies of your resume to your interview in a little stupid binder that looks professional. The idea is you can hand copies of it to the interviewers, but in all likelihood they already printed copies out themselves. So now you can use it as a cheat sheet. This reminds yourself of talking points to cover and areas to make yourself shine. If it is a virtual interview, open Notepad on your computer and take notes on the personal details or jokes people make during the interview for your follow-up thank you notes later. The best salesmen do this with their contacts, because they want to make sure each of their contacts feels seen and treated like a person. This may feel fake, but it's actually very considerate considering the logistics of how many people they would be trying to keep track of otherwise. Most people would not even try. So a quick dress rehearsal. 
You're going to be nervous, but try to put on a few emotions, confidence, professionalism, and seeing yourself coming into the interview as a near equal to the interviewers. You want to try to have a good time while keeping answers sharp. Most people would rather be doing their jobs than interviewing you, unless you are very entertaining, so they will appreciate your consideration here. Your main selling point is that you are passionate. If nothing else, you want them to get the sense that you are excited about this type of work. That enjoyment for this type of work bubbles out of you like a fountain. You can anticipate some common interview questions, like what is your biggest weakness and what is a time you made a mistake, are very common. Classical wisdom says to answer obliquely by answering with a strength, like, I work too hard, or some nonsense, but I do not think you should do this. I think you should say a medium-tier weakness and then proceed to give a very concrete strategy for overcoming the weakness, with multiple bullet points. This shows both honesty and initiative. Now, interviewing is a skill, and you're probably going to suck because you have not practiced this kind of a skill. I knew a guy who would apply everywhere, taking hundreds of interviews with no intention whatsoever of actually taking the jobs, just getting experience with the interview process. If you're worried your resume isn't strong enough to get you many interviews, you should do mock practices with a friend and practice just making conversation with people you do not know. Picture yourself as trying to ram your head into a brick wall. You are not doing this for the results. You are here for the pain. You're trying to build a callus. You're trying to build up to being able to play a full one-hour job interview performance without pain points, without your guitar strings biting into your fingers and distracting you from playing the right notes. Mini section. Praying. Are you under a curse? Remember, this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. After the interview, you should write no later than 24 hours, but preferably immediately, thank you messages to everyone you interviewed with. This is a neutral and unobtrusive way to make sure your positive traits were remembered. Say you enjoyed the interview and the team seems great and you look forward to hearing their decision and hope that it is you. Then forget about it, because if they decide on someone else, you won't be hearing about it for three to five months. Next, set about keeping the laws of God. Ask him for help, pay tithing, keep the Sabbath day holy, and ask friends and family of faith to pray for you. Sometimes you just need to switch up what tools you're using for the nail. There's a lot of people out there who want to help you. We're rooting for you. Now, get to work. Section. Socks. A review. Scout socks. They never get dirty. The longer you wear them, the stronger they get. Someday, I think I might wash them, but something inside me keeps saying, not yet, not yet, not yet. But something outside me, my wife, is not saying this. While serving a mission in Mississippi, there were a couple sets of elders in the assigned area who were assigned as Spanish-speaking elders. This was, presumably, because they spoke Spanish. One taught me a Spanish phrase, which I have now forgotten, which will be really tragic if I ever get in a situation where it's critically relevant, but the English translation was, my foot sweaters are holding a lot of water. And they really were, I could sense it. Socks are a contraption you stick on your foot. This has three main purposes. Warmth, making shoes work easier, sort of like a flywheel in your car's transmission system, and sliding around on hardwood floors. Let us examine how well socks perform in each of these areas. First, socks come in different thicknesses for different warmth needs. This is convenient, but if it is very cold, you could be caught wearing a thinner set of socks, which could put them as tragically inadequate. I would say socks accomplish this objective sporadically, at random, and they are not dependable for this purpose. Instead, I would recommend fire. Secondly, if you wear shoes barefoot, your shoes will stink. 
Socks absolutely work to prevent this, working overtime in between with their dark arts and witchcraft to stave the miasma away. I would say Socks accomplish this purpose far better than any other market solution. Because of this, I would recommend everyone purchase at least one dedicated pair of shoe socks. Third, socks work great for sliding around on floors, though sometimes if the floor is dirty or sticky, this will not work as well. But that's hardly the socks' fault, now is it? In conclusion, Socks earn a two-thirds rating, or 66.66666. That's hardly a passing grade, now is it? Do better, Socks. Section. History. A firework is a little sky flower. It blooms and dies so quickly, because you didn't give it any water. This week, we seem to have concluded the final chapter of our literal war with a raccoon. As any tactician knows, guerrilla warfare is very tough to deal with, since they are so big. But guerrilla warfare is even worse, because you know, you just know, that in a fair fight, you would whoop them so bad. But in a dishonest fight, they can play their strengths and none of their weaknesses. But now I have done it. I closed the door while they were outside so they can't come in anymore. That's what they get when they tangle with a genius tactician like yours truly. Also this week, after many hours of deliberation, we put some posts in the ground for the chickens, so I hope they're happy. For the toddler's part, he had just woke up and was sleepily muttering him to himself, There's a tape. No, there's a tape. A tangle. And it was only after about five minutes of this that I realized he was actually muttered, That's a shape. A triangle. At random things in the room. He also played with some superheroes and kept saying, Time to fly! Except he can't pronounce the letter F, so he's just going around saying, Time to die! Over and over and over again. The end of the duck stack. Hope you found it helpful. Thanks for listening.